so this next segment, Michael, uh, we had hoped to do it live, mm-hmm. but the uh, the co-founder and co-director of Civic is actually in California, and it was just really 4.30 in the morning yeah. to do a live interview. is really, really rough. And so we decided it's a rare decision to do a pre-recorded interview in our 7 o'clock hour, actually. Uh, but this issue was so shocking and so... It's so necessary Mm. to have sort of public scrutiny on that. I thought at least that we should we should air a pre-recorded segment during this hour. Uh, I the, agree with I agree with you too. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. <laughs> I thought you would, and I had to make a quick call yeah. yesterday when you, we were figuring the right. this, these last-minute details out, which mm-hmm. sometimes that's how the show goes, mm-hmm. frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, the issue is that we know that U.S. the U.S. Deten- immigration detention system is a mess, and it's a growing mess. It's a growing mess. But yes. what I did not know was the just incredible numbers of sexual assault mm-hmm. that occur within that system. It is both uh, women being assaulted, men being assaulted. It is absolutely shocking. And there is a call for our government to form a bipartisan commission to really do something about this. It is absolutely shocking and unbelievable. And so we're going to hear from Christina Fialho, who is the co-founder and co-executive director of Civic, um, which is associated with the website endisolation.org. And I am here now with Christina Fialho, who is the co-executive director of Civic, a national nonprofit working to end the U.S. immigration detention system. She's an attorney, a social justice activist, and the daughter and granddaughter of immigrants. Good morning, Christina. How are you? Good for having me, Pam. So. The community, civic, community initiatives for visiting immigrants in confinement has actually filed a federal complaint with the Office for Civil Rights and Civil Liberties within the Department of Homeland detailing the prevalence of reports of sexual abuse, assault, and harassment in the U.S. immigration detention and the lack of adequate government investigation into these reports. Can you can you tell us about um, the and why you filed it? Sure. Yes. Yeah, so Civic is the National Immigration Detention Visitation Network, and our mission is to end the U.S. immigration detention system. We visit people in 43 of the largest immigration detention facilities, including we're in New York and New Jersey, and we run a national hotline that allows people in all 211 detention facilities across the country us for free. And through these two windows into the detention system, we track human and civil rights violations, such as sex in immigration detention. So through our monitoring of these detention facilities, we began to see an increase in complaints of assault in early 2016. And we decided to see if the government's data was finding a similar pattern. So we Freedom of Information Act requests with U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE, as well as the Office of the Inspector General at Security and the Civil Rights Division at Homeland Security. And the only agency to respond was OIG, the Office 
Inspector General. We gave ICE and CRCL, the Civil Rights Division, nearly a year to respond on a monthly, sometimes weekly basis, and they chose not to comply with the Freedom of Information Act, probably because, you know, they have potentially something to hide. But what we did find was really disturbing. How can they choose not to comply with the Information Act? Yeah, there should be a requirement that they have to respond. This is all should be public information, which is why one of our four recommendations to the government is to require ICE on a regular, probably quarterly basis, publish information that they have about sexual assault and immigration detention. That now is outside of the purview of the public. Christina, one of the things about sexual assault is that it's something, it's a crime that's really underreported. There's a lot of shame and embarrassment uh, for, for the victims. Can you of the numbers involved here? I mean, how big is this problem? Sure, yeah. So for our complaint, Civic analyzed data obtained from a Freedom of Information Act request from OIG, and we found that between January 2010 and July 2016, the Office of the Inspector General received over 33,000 complaints of sexual assault or physics against DHS component agencies. And the most disturbing thing is that the Inspector General investigated less than 1% of cases. So, for example, in New York, the Office of the Inspector General received nearly 1,800 complaints, but only investigated seven of the complaints. And this is extremely disturbing because immigrants who have survived sexual trauma in detention really re-victimized by an ineffective or non-existent investigation process. And by not properly investigating allegation of sexual assault, our government is sending a message that sexual abuse of immigrants will be tolerated. So I'm actually really stunned by these numbers. Did you say that there were 33,000 reports? 33,000 that's correct of sexual assault or physical abuse against DHS's component agencies, which include, you know, ICE and C. And more of the complaints were submitted against ICE than any other DHS component agency. So out of the total number of over 44% or nearly 15,000 complaints were lodged against ICE, followed right behind them by which is Customs and Border Protection. We also were able to kind of hone down the data a little bit more. And the top five immigration detention facilities for sexual assault are all privately run by Geo Group or Corrections Corporation of America, two private prison corporations. And here in New York, the Batavia Processing Center in New York made the top of worst immigration detention facilities. For instance, the rate of complaints per average population at the Batavia is one complaint for just every 51 immigrants in detention. One complaint for every 51 immigrants. And some of these uh, complaints, like, like, what's the content? What are people complaining about most? Sure. So sexual abuse being perpetrated by ICE officers, contracted facility guards, and even medical professionals. So, for example, one that we interviewed for our complaint, Rosana Santos, was sexually assaulted by a corrections officer who threatened 
of me and took her into a room with no cameras on her way to meet her attorney. She was being detained at a county jail, the York the Jail in Pennsylvania. She filed the complaint, and instead of addressing the assault, ICE adopted a head-in-the-sand approach that the incident occurred and then punishing Rosanna. The facility threw Rosanna into solitary confinement for 11 days for filing a complaint. Wow. And I, are these incidents happening all over the country, or are they in areas? Yes, this is unfortunately a na national issue. Uh, this is happening across the country in immigration detention facilities. And ICE has even documented cases like this. So Civic analyzed data regarding calls made to ICE's detention reporting and information line. It's basically a hotline inside of immigration detention that allow people to file complaints. And again, most people are not going to pick up a phone call and call ICE if they have been uh, sexually assaulted by an ICE officer. Um, but what we did find is that between October 2012 and March 2016, a number of cases were documented where people were assaulted by uh, officials within the system. At the Northwest Detention Center in Washington, which is a facility run by GEO Group, um, there was a case of an individual sexually assaulted by an Immigration Health Service Corps physician assistant during a medical examination. And because we also have started to detain under the Obama administration uh, families in immigration detention, so these are mother, young children, they're babies, toddlers in these privately run prisons, there's also been cases of sexual assault. So, for example, a young girl under 18 at the Carnes Detention Center in Texas filed a complaint about sexual A medical exam of the child then actually showed indications of a sexually transmitted disease and, and I won't go into this kind of detail, but also vaginal scarring. And despite physical evidence, ICE declared the allegation of sexual abuse. And who is actually responsible to investigate these charges, these allegations? Well, the Office of the Inspector General, who is supposed to ensure that um, complaints are being investigated, they investigating less than 1% of all of the, the complaints. And of the ones we know for sure were from people in immigration, they still only investigated less than 2.5% of the complaints. And this is happening right now. Uh, these are, are not isolated incidents of the past. There's a woman who's detained right now, Maria Cortez, who's currently detained at the West Detention Facility in Northern California. And she was sexually assaulted at another county jail, the Yuba County Jail. And after a complaint, she was immediately transferred, further isolating her from her support system in the surrounding community. And this is what when folks do uh, bravely come forward and file a complaint, they're retaliated against. Either they're thrown into confinement, like Rosanna, or they're transferred, like Maria. Um, and this is not the solution to eradicating sexual immigration detention. So many of the immigrants who are assaulted uh, ultimately deported? A number of people who are deported, unfortunately, we don't have those numbers from the government because they wouldn't provide us that through our FOIA. 
What we do know is that the few examples where we have actually spoken to who have been uh, sexually assaulted, so we've interviewed about 27 people for this complaint, or exactly 27 people who have come forward about their sexual assault. And those who had their cases investigated, most of those investigations didn't happen for years later. So, for example, Douglas, uh, who is a gentleman who was detained in Texas, he was raped twice in that week. And he filed a complaint, but his complaint was not investigated for two years. Um, and at that point, that actually witnessed the trans the the rape they had already been deported um, and of course there had been no rape kit done so actual physical evidence so of course the case um, and the complaint was uh, unfounded by ICE according to them. This is just completely shocking. Do you have any sense, Christina, as to why sexual assault is so prevalent in these detention centers? Yeah, I mean, these immigration detention facilities are out of the public view. Um, it's literally behind closed doors that things are taking place. And the system is built upon a system that So the U.S. immigration detention system as a whole is a relatively recent phenomenon. Prior to the 1980s, only approximately 30 people in detention or any kind of form of immigration detention on any given day. And then in the 1980s, early 1980s, 1983, 1984, two major prison corporations, Geo Group and CCA, and lobbying the government for laws that would expand detention and other forms of incarceration. So that created an atmosphere in the 1990s where a new prison was built um, every 15 days throughout that entire decade. And then in 1996, signed two laws which doubled the number of people in immigration detention very quickly from 8,500 each in 1996 to 16,000 in 1998. And we're starting to see that same kind of drastic increase taking place. So right now we have about 40,000 asylum seekers and other migrants held in 211 jail prisons around, these, around the country. And these private prisons are making a profit off of people. So their ultimate goal is to make money for their shareholders. And if that means cutting corners um, in terms of who they hire and in terms of what type of what type of training is done, then they may do that to ensure that there is a higher profit margin for their shareholders. But what that means for detention is that they they're going to suffer because they aren't going to be treated. In, in any form, humanely. Well, um, Christina, what then are your next steps, and how can the pilot involved? We're just about out of time, but I'd love to hear what people can do about this. Sure. Well, we feel that a Congress to undertake a comprehensive investigation of sexual assault in the U.S. immigration detention system. So we're calling on Congress a bipartisan commission to really investigate sexual assault in immigration detention and whether the prison rape elimination has been effective. But what you all can do are three things. One, you can call your congressional representative and direct them to the complaint, which you can find at endisolation.org slash sexual dash assault. You can also become a volunteer, 
to visit people in immigration detention in the New York, New Jersey area. We have carpools available from New York City to the immigration facilities in New Jersey. You only have to be 18 years of older and we can provide you with uh, additional training, the skills you need to be able to visit with folks. Um, and I'd also direct you to our two affiliated visitation programs in New York and New Jersey, the First Friends of New Jersey and New York, as well as the Queer Detainee Empowerment Project, who are doing great visiting and supporting people in immigration detention. And the third thing is, if you know, if you can't get involved with giving your time, but you have some money, please consider a tax-deductible donation to Civic at endisolation.org. Thank you so much for joining Fialho, the co-founder and co-executive director of Civic, which is a national nonprofit working to end immigration detention system. You can find out more information about uh, this, all of this important work at endisolate.org. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much, Pam. A really interesting, interesting topic that you uh, brought up, Pam. Um, thank you so much it's really for taking the time to just do that. It's really horrifying and that we have a system in place where this is just un an unusual amount of sexual assault. I mean, even if you want to say that there are some, there you, we could accept some amount of sexual assault, surely uh, 33,000 assaults in such a short period of time is absolutely unacceptable. Well, you know, Pam, I was talking with uh, Rebecca Miles uh, over the weekend. Rebecca Miles is uh, the uh, producer, executive producer of the Rape Declaration Forum here, heard here on WBAI uh, Fridays, the first and third Friday at 5 a.m. And I was talking to her about it and why uh, rape laws are the way they are in this country and uh, that uh, uh, people who are convicted, men who are convicted of rape, and it's almost always men who are convicted of rape. Let's just say that and get that out of the way right now. Um, and she was telling me that she had been watching what was going on in Montana, for instance, and what they're doing to reform their rape laws. And uh, there was one bill was they were trying to rethink statutory rape laws where sex with a teenager uh, by another teenager can get a young man sent to prison and listed as a sex offender for life. Uh, these are uh, like Romeo and Juliet romances, but really the law doesn't recognize teen teen love. And, and there was another bill to rethink sentences um, when, you know, there have been charges of rape and sexual assault. And the sentences were short in the state. Two years, two years for rape or sexual assault. And a lawyer who was working on the the committee tracked the original writer of the state law and asked him why the sentences were so short. And the man explained there was no legal precedent for rape. And the only equivalent he could find were for trespass laws for property.